Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure to be here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? Ah, good morning, Jason. I hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm doing well, Bill. Anytime we're in air conditioning, an air-conditioned environment, I'm, I'm okay. Well, you get you, know, you can get out of the rain, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can deal with the rain. It's yeah. uh, the humidity that... Uh, that tends okay. to be a problem. It seems like for me. we've either we've either been in a drought, you know, where it's been dry <laughs> for three weeks, or it rains and rains and rains. So it's either flood or drought, flood or drought. So here we are. <laughs> Bill, we're not going to be able to solve that, but what we can solve today are some issues related to estate planning and confusion. We're going to help. Get rid of some confusion, which is good for me because I'm often confused about many things. But we're going to be talking about confusing issues with planning and estate planning. And you've got a, a long list of topics here. So let's dive right in. Well, I do. And I, I doubt seriously that I will be able to clear up all of the confusion. If, if I could, then there wouldn't be any need for lawyers and, you know, all that good stuff. So uh, but there there are um, plenty of issues out there that. People hear about, but they really don't get it. They don't understand what it is. It's like for somebody else to figure out for them. But it, but some of these concepts are really, really important for folks to understand. And so the first one we're going to tackle this morning, and I hope folks will stay with us, has to do <laughs> with something that everyone hates, and that's taxes. Um but there's one part of it um, that people have heard about, and it's called the step up. And when people are talking about the step up, they're actually talking about what we call a step up in income tax basis. Okay. And the step up um, is, is not for you and me, the step, or at least. Well, that's only because I'm old, but um, it's the step up is for heirs. Okay, it's it's um, and unfortunately there is a problem with step up. You know what that is? What's that? You have to die. <laughs> In other words, a step up in basis occurs when you die for your property. Uh, and I'm talking about a property that you've held a long time. Uh, and so now, truthfully, you can have a step up or on rare occasions, you can have a step down in basis. Uh, but it, what happens is that uh, and, and you have to understand what basis is. OK, so basis is your starting value. All right. And so property, once you buy property, it can go up in value or down in value. And often, far more often than not, it over time goes up in value. And so your basis is your starting point. In other words, how much did you pay for the property? Um, so, for instance, if I bought a thousand shares of Microsoft uh, stock way back when for $10 a share. And so I invested $10,000 to purchase that stock. And now 30 years later, it's worth, 
let's just say, a million. <laughs> okay. Probably worth a whole lot more than that. Uh, if you if you were smart enough to buy Microsoft stock when it was you know uh, at, at its infancy, but uh, but okay. So the bottom line is it's appreciated, and people know that it, you know they've held the stock for over six months and it's gone up in value. And if you sell it during your lifetime, then uh, you pay capital gains tax, you know, which the maximum capital gains tax right now is 20%. Okay, not bad. That's fairly low for a lot of folks in terms of their overall tax structure. And, you know, there's actually a a lower rate for folks who make less money as well. So, uh, but the point is, is that my basis in buying that Microsoft stock is $10,000. And if I sold it when it was worth $100,000 and I was still alive, then I pay the capital gains tax on uh, the $90,000 of appreciation or gain. Now, what step up? Upon my death, if my wife survives me, and assuming she inherits it from me, you know, everything goes to the, to the wife, uh, then... Um, uh, she gets – now, this also assumes that I own all of it. In other words, she doesn't own any of this Microsoft stock. It's in my name. Okay, so when I die and she inherits it, she gets what's called a step-up in income tax basis. So the the $10,000 that I paid for that stock, and it's now worth a million, then her basis – in the stock becomes the fair market value at the date of my death. Okay, so that's a step up. Now, if I had bought XYZ stock two years ago and I paid $10,000 and it's now worth $5,000, in other words, didn't do such a hot job in picking stock, well, at my death and my wife again, it was all in my name, Um, and it would go to her, she gets a step down in basis. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And so the bottom line is, is that she takes it at the fair market value of the date of my death. So if I um, uh, paid $10,000 for it, that doesn't matter anymore. It steps down to $5,000, and so her basis will be, what was the value at the date of my death? Now, just to complicate things, there's an alternative valuation date, which is six months after my death. Okay, so you can use the, the valuation of the date of my death or six months after. However, you can't pick and choose. You have to use one date or the other for all of your property. Okay, so no picking and choosing. One date or the other. Step up or step down, but it only has to do um, with, a, uh, with the property that you own. Now, you can screw this up, okay, because it's a really good thing for you to be able to get that step up in basis. It's a huge help to everybody, not just rich folks. It helps everybody who acquires appreciated property when they're parent or their spouse dies and so it it, now 
uh, with that said, how can you mess it up? Well, if I had gifted that stock to my spouse before I died, in other words, here it is, I'm transferring it to you, she takes my basis, and my death doesn't matter in terms of the basis. So if I gifted it away, her basis would be that $10,000. So not a good idea for me to actually gift it right before I die, or you know, let's just say a year before I died, uh, just to be a good hubby. Uh, that would have been a huge mistake under those circumstances. Now, let me complicate it one more time. Do we have time for me to complicate it? Okay. So now, if instead I owned it by myself, uh, and let's just say that we bought it together, husband and wife, and so now uh, I die, what is the basis? Well, when we acquired it, we paid $10,000 for it. So my basis was 5000 and my wife's basis was 5000 for a total of ten. Well, I die and she gets it all. Well, you get a one-half step up in basis at that point. So it's worth a million dollars. So my 5000 is now worth 500000 So her basis would be 500000 plus her 5000 So that's her new basis. That's what's called a one-half step up in basis. But uh, it's for property that is acquired at death, okay? So you have to die. That's the bad news. Uh, (laughs) And you don't get a step up if you don't die. So uh, that's important. And um, so it's uh, the the step up in basis is very uh, important to understand, and it also ha- is very important in understanding that concept, particularly when you're thinking about gifting significant property to your children uh, uh, or to, or to your spouse at times. But I mean, it can make a huge difference of negative impact, particularly there's an awful lot of folks that they want to protect their house. They don't realize that we can protect it 10 different ways without them gifting it to their children before they die. And, and so uh, you, you just see people doing some really bad things tax-wise. They don't realize they're doing make, making mistakes uh, with with their taxes. But I've seen the worst case is where um, uh, parents transfer their home to their children because they want to protect it and they're worried about needing government assistance for Medicaid. Uh, And then uh, the children take the income tax basis. They also lose what's called the 121 exemption on your primary residence, which is another biggie for tax purposes. And so they gift it, they lose their their exemption for their personal residence, and then the children have to sell it while the parents are alive uh, in order to pay for their care. And then they pay a, a bunch of income tax that they would not have had to pay had the parents sold the house. They would have had a $500,000 exemption. That's the 121 exemption. So 
Again, that's why people should get some tax advice either from their estate planning attorney or their CPA so they don't make mistakes because they think they know better than everybody else. (laughs) We always say you don't know what you don't know, and that's, as Bill said, is why it's so important to get some good advice. And you can get a hold of Bill. You can schedule an appointment to speak with him. You can do that online by going to WGALaw.com. Dot com, WGALaw.com, or by calling the office at 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. And if you want to learn more about asset protection as well as trust planning, Bill has an entire seminar dedicated to that where you can enjoy as a webinar from the comfort of your own home. You can also Ask Bill questions during that as well. You can register for that seminar by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on the seminars button. Bill also has a different seminar dealing with long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, topics that we often discuss on this show. Again, both are free to attend, free to register. Go to WGALaw.com and click on that seminars button to learn more. Taking a quick break, but we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about him online at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking about some confusing issues and things that people uh, can tend to get tripped up on. They may know just kind of some general information on, but not quite the specifics when it comes to planning and estate planning. And Bill, just before the break, you mentioned uh, a scenario where someone might try and sell their home in order to, or or maybe gift their home and, and thinking that this will help them with Medicaid. And I want to spend some time talking about that. Well, absolutely. And and so another planning issue that confuses people has to do with Medicaid. And I'm actually talking about the Medicaid program that is available for middle-class families when they need nursing facility care. And of course, a lot of folks have all have thought that Medicaid is not available to the, to the middle class. If you know, if you have good income and you have a nest egg, uh, that you can't get on Medicaid. That you have to be poor. You have to have given all or basically spent all your money. Um, and the fact is, is that uh, there is a Medicaid program when you need nursing care that is available where you can actually own a, own a home and a vehicle and have money in the bank. And and so there are a lot of middle-class families because the truth is most folks in the middle class cannot afford nursing care and will be out of money within two or three years, sometimes much less than that. Uh, but it can be preserved with assistance. And, and that's one of those myths that, that are, is there. But the fact is that there is a concept within Medicaid that folks hear about and they don't understand it. And it's called the Medicaid spend down. 
And virtually anyone who applies for Medicaid when, when they or a loved one uh, needs nursing facility care um, uh, has to have a spin-down. And there's, there's actually uh, only one uh, situation where you don't have to have a spin-down. Uh, and it, it's it, – here it is. Basically, uh, there is a minimum and maximum amount of countable property that people can have. And this really applies to folks who are married – when their spouse needs nursing care, okay? And so the minimum is just over $25,000. So as far as assets go, uh, as it relates to Medicaid, they do look, in other words, when you apply for Medicaid, they look at the assets owned by both spouses. In other words, it doesn't matter whether it's in the husband's name, the wife's name, both names, or even if it's held jointly with a child. Um, bottom line, it's all countable as it relates to that. And so, but if everything that husband and wife have, if all their countable property is less than the minimum, which is a little over $25,000, then they don't have a spin down. Okay. So, uh, and as you might have guessed, there's a maximum. (laughs) All right. So the maximum is right around $130,000. So now it doesn't doesn't mean that every person can keep up to $130,000. That's a misconcept, okay? Um, So how do you know how much you have to spend down? This is where it gets confusing, all right? And it's called a snapshot date. All right. Now, uh, and this is where people gloss over when, you know, their eyes get glossy and they fall asleep when I'm talking about this. And I can't help that. But the, the fact is, now, if you're single, you have a spin down, but there's not. I mean, in essence, you can only have two thousand dollars of countable property. So everything has to be spent down or converted if you're single, down to $2,000, which for most folks just means you got a checking account with a little bit of money in it, and your income goes comes in each month and goes out each month. Um, and everything else you have uh, must be non-countable. But that's the good news. In other words, even though your countable property has to be down to $2,000, there's no limit on how much non-countable or exempt property that you can have. Now, for that's a single person, and those rules also apply to married couples, except for with married couples, what they call the community spouse, the spouse who's actually relatively healthy, doesn't need nursing care. That spouse can actually have up to the maximum of uh, the um, allowance, you know, up to about $130,000. But Remember, I just said you not everybody gets to keep one hundred and thirty thousand. So what's why? And now, the first thing I'll say is it's not fair, but it's how the rules work. So basically, the snapshot date here's where we gloss over is uh, the first day where um, 
the applicant for Medicaid is institutionalized for 30 consecutive days. Now, institutionalized generally means hospital days plus rehab days, because rehab's always in skilled care nursing. And so typically you go to the hospital and then you go to rehab. And if that period lasts for, for 30 days or more, then your snapshot date is the date you went into the hospital. Well, so let's say we go into the hospital on June 15th. Well, our snapshot date is June 15th, and just to confuse you more, they will actually count your property as of, you can either look at it, the 1st of June or the last of May. Okay, so May 31st or June 1st. Either way, the numbers are going to be the same. Uh, And that uh, basically is where they count all of the countable property of husband and wife to determine snapshot. And so spin down is always 50% of the snapshot amount if um, with the maximum and then minimum. So here's your test, Jason. If, see if you have not glossed over and listened carefully. You ready for your test? I'm ready. Okay. All right, knowing that the spend down is 50%, if mom and dad have a nest egg of $300,000 of countable property, that would be like money in the bank, retirement accounts, uh, investments, um, and and the like. So how much can uh, mom keep? Dad needs nursing care, so she's the community spouse. Of the 300000 how much can mom keep as countable property and how much must be, quote, spent down? All right, so she can keep 130000 and Aha! spend down twenty. Yes, well, no, no, no. Nope. So basically, you're right. You listen. She can keep 130. So if there's 300000 how much do you have to spend down? Ah, okay. So then it would be 170 Correct. Yay. You get an A. Yes. <laughs> Putting that on my Now, I hope card. the listeners got an A, too. So now here's your next test. All right. Oh, I thought it was done. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> this is this is why these concepts are so confusing to people. All right. So instead of three hundred thousand dollars, let's say that mom and dad have countable property of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So. How much is how much is has to be spent down for dad to qualify for Medicaid? What's the spend down? Twenty thousand. Why? Oh, I'm sorry, you failed. Oh no. Okay, because you were thinking she can keep hundred and thirty. Right. No. What'd we say? It's fifty. What's the fifty percent rule? Uh, All right, right. so what's 50% of $150,000? 75,000. All right, so how much do you think that we have to spend down? Zero. Are we within? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Gosh, you have failed twice today, Jason. I I I guess it's too early in the morning. It's all downhill from here, Bill. (laughs) So, all right, so if we start with 150 of countable property, there's a 50% rule. So mom can keep one half of the countable property, and one half happens to be more than the minimum, less than the maximum. So squarely, she can keep $75,000 as countable property, but must spend down $75,000 
for dad to be eligible for Medicaid. And because Mrs. Smith can only keep $75,000 and Mrs. Jones can actually keep $130,000 of countable property, that's where most people don't understand it, and it seems very unfair to a lot of folks. But 50% rule with a minimum and maximum, but you have to understand that you cannot spend down effectively until when? What's it called? Snapshot. Exactly. So we're going to give you an A again. So you've gotten two A's and two F's. (laughs) (laughs) See average, baby. Good to go. (laughs) But truthfully, Jason, you're doing about as well uh, maybe a little better than a lot of folks because th- these are very confusing concepts as you have proven this morning. And you were listening. I know you were listening. See, that's that's the hard part and why this, this can be so confusing. But don't forget, for folks, is that spend down does not necessarily mean you have to spend it. You just have to convert your property from what's considered a countable resource to a non-countable resource for eligibility. So for me, in our uh, planning, I like conversion plans even better than spend-down plans to to qualify for Medicaid because that way uh, you're able to keep most of your property without having to, quote, spend it. Now, they're an awful, they're, a lot of folks do spend some of their money as part of their planning because it helps them. They need to do that, uh, and that's okay, too. So it's, it's pretty rare uh, not to have a little spending, uh, but it's, it's not like you have to lose your property in order to, to get on Medicaid. Well, if it's as this confusing for me, I'm sure a lot of listeners are uh, maybe a little bit less confused, but still have a little confusion nonetheless. That's why it's so critical to have some advice and to make sure that you have someone to guide you along the way. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, maybe you want him to look over your situation or you have questions, go to WGALaw.com, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. Bill has two seminars that he does. They're actually in the form of webinars currently. They are free to attend from the comfort of your own home. They cover the subjects of long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. These are wonderful educational opportunities at zero cost to you. They're free to attend, free to register. There's no hooks. You just get to watch, learn from Bill from the comfort of your own home. Go to WGALaw.com and click on that seminars button to register and to find out more information. Taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Don't forget, WGALaw.com is Bill's website. That's where you can go to find more information about him, schedule an appointment to speak with him, or register for Bill's seminars happening on Wednesday, July 14th, covering the 
topics of long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. We're having a discussion this morning regarding some confusing issues related to estate planning and uh, Bill, we're, we're knee-deep in a discussion when it comes to what is uh, typically referred to as the Medicaid spend-down. Absolutely. And this is where advice makes all the difference in the world. And I, I just recently I met with a wonderful family, uh, and uh, one of the uh, topics that came up was uh, whether to pay off the mortgage for the house. And in this particular um, situation, we had a, a, a nice home uh, that still has uh, has a mortgage of about $150,000. Now, the truth is, is that the the couple, this married couple, um, ha- had enough money in the bank to pay off the mortgage. And uh, anybody who's listened to me for a long time knows that I'm one who generally believes strongly in retiring with no debt retiring with your mortgage paid off and no other debt as well no no vehicles no credit card debt you know debt free because uh, those folks who retire debt free are in such better financial shape than others who are still carrying debt well this family was doing okay financially they had pretty good income and they had a nice nest egg and they had a nest egg that would have allowed them to pay off the mortgage and so this is just where uh, the general rule doesn't always apply. And again, this is where advice makes a difference. Well, first of all, this was a married couple that were in their mid-70s. And um, uh, the, the sad news is that the, the um, wife was suffering uh, from Parkinson's and early dementia. Uh, and and it's very frequent that dementia goes together with Parkinson's. It's not always true, but it, it's certainly true about half the time, uh, and it's very unfortunate. Well, the good news was that um, uh, the Parkinson's was not severe, and the, nor was the dementia, although there was cl- clearly a decline coming. And so uh, Dad was, at this point, been able to take care of Mom, no, no real problem. Uh, and and foreseeably, uh, probably for the next few years, that will be the case. But what was the concern? The concern was that mom would need facility-based care at some point in the future. They're hoping that that's not the case, but that's oftentimes something that we can't control. It's, um, you know, people are have good intentions they work themselves to the bone trying to take care of their spouse trying to avoid uh, having them go to a facility nobody wants to go to a facility if if they can avoid it Uh, and nobody wants their loved one to go to a facility if they can avoid it but at there you know it it's hard it's stressful and sometimes you just can't do it forever um, and so, um, so that was a situation. So here we have a situation where the husband's in excellent health, the wife is not. And so the question is, should we sell our home? Um, 
or not in this case, not sell the home, should we pay off the home, you know, pay off the debt? And so uh, here, here's this is where I basically said, no, this is where you may want to not pay off the debt. Now, why is that? Okay, so the point is, is that in this case, in round numbers, their nest egg was maybe $300,000, but they owed 150000 on their home. Okay, so if mom needed nursing care and we were looking to try to preserve as much as pos- possible, what's in a mom and dad's best interest? Well, first of all, how much countable property would you have if you... Uh, have three hundred thousand dollars of nest egg, Jason. We're on a test again. Three hundred thousand. Exactly. All right. So, uh, if you were going to spend down half of that, uh, now we have to recognize that the house, whether it's paid off or not, is exempt. It's non-countable. Okay. So we have three hundred thousand. How much would we have to spend down? A hundred and seventy thousand. You're right. right. See, you were listening because there's a maximum. Normally, it's the fifty percent rule. So a lot of folks would say one fifty, and I'd say nope, nope, nope. But um, so maximum's one thirty. So we we basically get to keep one hundred and thirty thousand dollars of countable property. All right, can we pay off debt as part of our spend down? I. Don't think so? Oh, of course you can. Okay. Absolutely. Any kind of debt, whether it's your mortgage, whether it's a car loan, whether it's a credit card, paying off debt, perfectly lawful. You're paying uh, for things. So the bottom line is, should you pay off the loan on the house prior to mom's snapshot date? And the answer is? That would be no. Correct. And why is that? Because if you paid the loan off now obviously that does help in some ways in big ways if you didn't have this issue but so you pay $150,000 off and so now the house is paid for it's totally exempt it can be protected no problem and so now we have how much money left approximately 150 right and so what's our spend down now uh, then we got to get down to 75. No, 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 no. We've passed our snapshot day. Okay. So now we only have to spend down 20 more thousand dollars. Very easy to do. So the point is, is that this is the exception to the rule, at least my rule, in terms of, you know, paying off the mortgage so that you're debt free is if you have a spouse who is a, a, a candidate for going into nursing care where you're going to apply for Medicaid, then it might be a mistake under those circumstances to pay. Now, if you paid off the mortgage and you still had over $260,000 in, in nest egg, then it'd be okay to, to uh, pay off the mortgage and probably be a good thing. But when paying off the mortgage reduces your nest egg to below uh, that, where you actually have, you can't keep the maximum amount of countable property when you apply for Medicaid, then the answer may not be as simple for you. So again, good advice pays off, uh, and it's not necessarily 
so simple as it relates to do I pay it off, do I not pay it off, what's in my best interest. So for most people, being debt-free is the way to go, but there are exceptions, and the one we just uh, described, it would be one of those exceptions. Well, that's why we need someone to help look over our situations to make sure that, uh, like me, of course, uh, I I got it wrong. I would have got it wrong. So that's why I, I certainly would need some help in this situation. And if you're anywhere near close to me, then uh, get a hold of Bill. Schedule an appointment to speak with him. Make sure that uh, everything that you're doing, what's in your best interest, which is difficult to do if you're dealing with topics that you don't know a whole lot about. You can go to WGALaw.com and you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also register for Bill's seminars. Bill has one seminar dedicated entirely to the subjects of long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid as well as VA benefits, those dealing with a long-term care crisis. This is incredibly valuable information that you can uh, listen to and attend these seminars for free. It's free to register, free to attend. They're in the form of webinars currently, and you can enjoy from the comfort of your own home. And Bill has an afternoon seminar that deals with the topics of asset protection and trust planning. All you have to do to register is go to WGALaw.com and click on that seminars button at the top of the page, WGALaw.com. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Don't forget, WGALaw.com is where you can go to find more information about Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him, or to register for Bill's seminars. And Bill, we're talking all about confusing issues related to estate planning, and we uh, just had a, a big breakdown of the Medicaid spend down, and uh, let's let's stick on the topic of our homes, Bill. I know you have something that you want to address related to that. Well, and I hope I have time to address it. I may not be able to get to all of it today. May have to come back next week and talk about it. But a big issue for a lot of folks is mom can't stay at home anymore. She needs to go to a facility. In other words, maybe assisted living, maybe nursing care, and the question comes up. Uh, all the time. Should we sell the home in order to pay for care? And oftentimes it feels like we have to pay to sell the home to pay for care. So uh, when, when we're looking at issues like that, the first question is, what level of care does mom need? Because uh, there are an awful lot of folks who cannot uh, get assistance at a level of care lower than nursing facility care, which is a bad word. Nobody wants to go a nursing home. Uh, and quite frankly, most most people need assisted living rather than nursing care. And so you can get help. You can get Medicaid at the nursing health, uh, level, but a lot of folks cannot get assistance for assisted living. And in this particular case, we had a um, mom who was single, had nice income of about $3,000 a month, had a home worth about 200000 but a very small nest egg, about $20,000. Uh, 
And then she also had a vehicle that was underwater, which, you know, bottom line, a lot of folks get into this. She had a nice vehicle worth $25,000, but she owed thirty on it. You know, and you can get in that situation with car dealers, which is really sad, but, you know, a lot of folks have that. Well, the bottom line is, First question is, does mom need assisted living or does she need nursing care? If she needed nursing care, it would be a no-brainer. Keep the house. It's exempt. It's not countable. And mom would, uh, I mean, they'd have a very little um, of a uh, spin-down to do to get mom eligible for Medicaid under those circumstances if she needed nursing care. But then the question became, should we sell the house if she needs assisted living? And the answer was probably if there's not another alternative, such as could you rent the house and would the rental income give you enough to pay for assisted living? Or for other folks, is she the widow of a veteran where we could get VA benefits where that would give us enough money to pay for the assisted living uh, needed and keep that exempt, non-countable property for the the future. Um, uh, but on the other hand, it might be that we need to sell the house. Uh, and of course, right now it's a great time to sell. You know, it's a seller's market. You can get more than your house is worth today. Uh, so that was another question: Is should we just go ahead and do it because mom will need assisted living, and then we can deal with a spin down later if we have to? And so the answer varies. Sometimes it's more of a business decision, but it depends on whether care is available and whether assistance, financial assistance, is available. Well, those are good things to keep in mind. And again, it helps to have a professional guiding you along the way. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, just go to WGALaw.com or you can call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to find more information about Bill. If any of the subjects that we discussed today related to confusing topics on the subjects of planning and estate planning, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Don't wait. That's uh, probably the worst thing that you can do. Just go to WGALaw.com. That's where you can schedule an appointment. If you prefer to call the office, the phone number is 919-256-7000, 2567000 and if you want to register for Bill's free seminars dealing with the topics of asset protection and trust planning as well as long-term care assistance just go to wgalaw.com and click on that seminars button at the top of the page they are free to attend it's free to register and these are highly educational sessions similar very similar to what we discuss on the radio and Bill has a wonderful way of making things 
very understandable. Complex topics are broken down and explained to you in a way that, hey, even I can understand Bill in his, in his seminars there. So I hope that if you have need for them, you go to WGALaw.com and click on that seminars button and register. We are out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.